Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Well, good morning, church. Great to see you, all of you watching online. Great to have you with us. How many of you uh, are a little wet? (laughs) What a crazy week, right? Wow. But we know summer is coming. How many of you have faith for summer? (laughs) Oh, looking forward to see grass. It's going to be so amazing. All right. So we'll go to the Word, and I I would ask you to stand. Just want to remember the youth right now. They're having their their retreat, and uh, the junior youth will be having a retreat next week. So I invite you to remember that in prayer. So, Father, we thank you this morning for the privilege we have to come together. And uh, I pray a special blessing for those that are watching online. I pray that you would visit them in their homes. And I think about the the youth right now that they're having their last uh, service this weekend. I pray that you would bless them powerfully, that you would rock rock their world. We thank you for the, uh, the young people in our church, Lord. We want to raise the next generation that is on fire for you. Help us to do that. And we just want to, uh, this morning, sit at your feet. We want to hear what you want to say. I pray that you would help me to communicate what you've placed on my heart. And I thank you, Father, that you go beyond my words. I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that reveals the thoughts and the words of Christ. So I just pray that you would be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So we're starting this new series on the end times. Woohoo! Uh, pretty exciting. A lot of, uh, I was uh, studying hard on this, and uh, it was kind of funny. The moment I opened the door of a topic, there was another 10 doors. So I don't know how far I will go. And uh, actually, last night, I went over my time about 10 minutes. So I'll try to squeeze everything in today in whatever time I have. So hopefully, it's going to be a blessing to you. And, uh, and uh, if you have your Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 24. Uh, we're going to do a study on eschatology. That's the, uh, the study of the end times. I'm not an eschatology guru by any chance, uh, but I'm a pastor. I like the Word of God. I've studied the Word of God. I remember in my early years, there was such an emphasis on eschatology, and so I, I think I, I can unpack some truth. So I want you to come with open hands. I might say things that you might not totally agree with, but it's okay, because I think there's a difference between the absolute and in- interpretation, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But take a look at Matthew 24, verse 36. I'll come back to earlier verses in Matthew 24. Matthew 24 talks about the end times. 24, 25, Jesus talks with his disciples on the end time. And he says in verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Verse 39, and they were unaware. If you have your Bible, underline unaware. I think that's an important word. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will, the com- so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. Can you say that to your neighbor? 
stay awake for the message, but more than for the message, right? Stay awake, for you do not know on what day our Lord is coming. Verse 43, but know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house uh, be broken into. Verse 44, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour, at, at an hour uh, and, uh, that you don't expect. So when we look at this text, Jesus is talking about the end times and Previously, like verses before that, he, he gives example of, of things that are going to happen. But what he says in, what, in the text I just read, he said that the problem is, like in the day, the day of Noah, uh, days of Noah, people were not aware of what was happening. They were living, marrying, drinking, uh, marrying their kids, and they were living their life not being conscious of the big picture. I think it's a danger for us to live this way, where we do our life, we look at today, we take care of business, we pay our bills, we raise our kids, we go to work, you know, and we miss out the big picture, and that's what Jesus was saying here. Don't miss out on the big picture. Be conscious of, of the big picture. And when you look in the Bible, how many times we find this statement, pray and watch, or watch and pray, it's everywhere. And so it's important for us to realize what Jesus was trying to say. Whatever happened, whatever you're facing, what you need to do is to watch and pray. Watching is to be aware of what's happening and pray as you turn to God, right? You make God your solution. So we want to do that. In Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew 25, we see Jesus giving some details and snapshot about what is to come. In verse 40, it seems like he's talking about the rapture. One will be taken away, one will stay. One will be taken away, one will stay. So when it comes to the snapshot in verse 40, you also find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, talking about the rapture. Also you find that in 1 Corinthians 15 and also in 2 Thessalonians. But when it comes to the rapture, when it comes to the things that are about to come, one of the things we need to realize is there's things that are absolute, and there's things that are interpretation or deductions. Absolute or interpretation. I'll give you an example when it comes to creation. When we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see God saying God created all things. So what is an absolute is that God created all things. That this world was not created by uh, evolution or by a big bang. God created it. That's an absolute. As a believer, that's what we believe. We believe that the word of God is true, and we believe that God is the maker. But when it comes to the how, there's interpretation. When it comes to seven days creation or 24-hour day, like there was a morning and one evening, I'm, I'm, I'm more leading in that way that God created the world in seven days, in the six days and the seven days he rested. But there's friends of mine, godly people, that they have a different interpretation of it. For example, they will say one day, like it says in First Peter, one day is like a thousand years. So they will say that the creation took more than seven days interpretation. You see? There's interpretation and there's absolute. Uh, uh, and the danger is sometimes, listen to this, we, we take our interpretation and we make it an absolute. And we need to separate interpretation from absolute. The absolute is God made the heaven and the earth. The day, 
Probably seven days, but I wasn't there. I don't know, right? And, and it's not that clear in Scripture. So what we do is that we understand there's interpretation, but we focus on the absolute. Same thing when it comes to the return of Jesus. Absolute Jesus is coming back. It's all over the Bible, in the old, in the new. And if I would write to you or read to you all the verses that are linked to his second coming, they're all over. So that cannot be denied. So Jesus is coming back. He's going to come back on a white horse. It's going to be a glorious day. Actually, it's an exciting day for the church. The spirit and the bride says, come, Lord Jesus, come. We anticipate his return. So when it comes to our belief and our faith, the foundation of our belief and our hope is found in the return of Jesus Christ, right? Interpretation is when. We can map everything down. We can have charts of everything that may happen, but it's only interpretation, so we got to be careful not to make our interpretation a dogma or an absolute. When we do that, I think we can get confused because it's not clear. We know he's coming back. There's a lot of proof. There's a lot of ink that was, uh, that was spilled or not spilled but used to write a ton of books. And, and, and I won't be able to elaborate on all of that as we go through this series. But one of the things I really want to lay the foundation on is you need to separate absolute from interpretation. Okay? So we know he's coming back. But when it comes to the details, we're not too sure. We have some ideas. And I believe the closer we get, it's going to be clearer. I look at the rapture. When will the rapture happen? Some people believe that the rapture will happen before tribulation. The Bible talks about hardship at the end. And uh, the Bible talks that there's, gonna get, there's going to be a time where there's going to be persecution and so on. We'll talk more about that in the next, in the next weeks. But it talks about a battle. It talks about a, a, a battle between evil and good, but at the same time, we're not dualism. We're not dualists. We believe that God is on control, in control, and we believe that the enemy fulfilled God's plan to, to judge the nation. And that's another topic. But when it comes to the rapture, some people believe that it's going to happen before the tribulation. Interpretation, not dogma. Other people believe it's going to be in the middle of the tribulation, the rapture will happen. Interpretation, not dogma. People will, some people believe that the rapture will happen at the end of the tribulation where Jesus will come back and the church will meet Christ in the air at the end. Possible. I've got good friends of mine. I was talking to a good friend of mine last week and he would be number three. Then I have other friends that are number one and other friends that are number two. So, and they love God. You see? And they're passionate about God and they're doing the work of the ministry. But one thing that we all agree is one day the groom, we are, as the church, we will meet him in the air. When? I don't know. I like what Keith Green said. Pray for pre, be prepared for post. Yeah, pray for pre, hope for pre, but be prepared for post. In the Western world, we don't like persecution. In Western world, we like to see everything, we want to escape suffering. But if you look at the, at the uh, in India or in Asia, they're going through tribulations and hardship and they're losing their life for the sake of the gospel. So we got to make sure that we don't make a theology that suits us. So let's say you are a pre-tribe guy and you, are, you believe that the rapture will happen before tribulation. And what, what if we go through hardship? Are you going to throw the towel? Are you going to say, oh, God, your word is not true? No. So when it comes to the rapture or the meeting of the bride and the groom, 
It's a fact. But the when? I'm not going to be the one that will stand before you and give you a chart, a man-made chart or speculation of how it's going to be. Uh, I, I know that there's a chart in heaven, and I know that God has a plan. It's going to be fulfilled. But I need to remember the text I just read in, in, in Matthew chapter 24, that I need to be sober. I need to pray and wait. And if you look, for example... Uh, at the examples, if you look, for example, at the examples, eh? if you look at the example that you find in Matthew 25, they're very significant. He talks about the end times. We'll talk more about that later on uh, th this morning and next week and so on. But he talks about three main, he gives three main parables to uh, um, um, enlighten us of how we should look at the end, end times. The first one, he gives a story to the ten foolish virgins and the ten wise ones. And it talks about having oil in your lap. So he gives images of the end time and all that. And then he goes to chapter 25 and he says, what kind of virgin are you going to be? Are you going to be a wise one or are you going to be a foolish one? Will you have oil in your lap? When we, when we look at the example of marriage, right? When we talk to young couples that are getting married, most of them are excited. <laughs> they, they should be excited, Right? They should be pumped about that day. You ask them and you say, how many, how many months? And sometimes they don't even give, even give you the months. They give you the days. They're so excited, right? They have a smile on their face and they're preparing for that wedding day. Ah, oh, yeah, you know. They think that when they're going to get married, it's all going to be fixed and it's going to be fantastic. But it's just, for those that are married, it's just the start of a journey, right? A beautiful one, but a challenging one, right? So, but they're waiting for that winning day. They plan, they organize, you know, you talk to them and blah, 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 so excited. And they, they talk about this guy, you premarital counseling. Oh, yeah, he's so sweet. He's so nice, you know. And you don't know him fully yet. You'll discover him later on. No, not true. <laughs> but you're looking at the wedding day and you're all pumped. Well, having oil into your lamp is that you're excited about Jesus. You see, you can't wait to see him. You keep yourself pure, you're not walking in sin, you're not having a, a, other love in your life because you're waiting for him, you're keeping oil in your lamp, you're, you're, you're talking about him, you're so excited, people talk about Jesus Come, oh, it's, this is my topic, I like to talk about him because you're waiting for him, you're longing for him. That's having oil in your lamp. And the danger is lose, to lose oil where, bah, Jesus, yeah. It, where it's not meaningful, where it doesn't, your eyes are not sparkling, you know? You see these little couples, they look at each other and cling, cling, cling. I, I should be like that with Jesus. I should have a cling, cling, cling for Jesus, right? Having oil in my lamp. So he says that, look, listen. He says that in the chapter or the two chapters of the end times. And then he goes a little further and he gives another story. He says, let's say there's a master that is going away. He's talking about him. And he, what he does, a master, what he does, he gives um, resources, his resources, to one, five talents, to another two, and another one. And he leaves. And what, do he, what does he expect? He expects them to manage the resources, and the story goes, one, the one that only had one buried it because he was afraid of his master, and he was judged for that, severely judged. And actually, that talent was given to the one that had five. But the one that had five multiplied it, and the one that had two multiplied it. 
And so, so Jesus tells this parable in that teaching of the end time, saying, what are you going to do with your resources? Are you going to live kingdom focus? Or are you going to live out of fear? Or are you going to live for yourself? Wow. So he's saying that in the end times, as we're getting closer to the end times, you got to live for the kingdom. That's what he's saying. And he goes a little further, and he tells another story about the sheep and the goat. And the difference between the sheep and the goat is what they did and didn't do. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And so he's saying, and the, and the goats are all confused. When did we do that? When you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. So what Jesus is saying is the proof, listen, the proof that you are his is the love that you have for others. Like 1 John spells it out very clear. So when you are facing the end times, there's three things you want to remember. Oil in your lap. Secondly, your, your resources, what do you do with resources, and the value of people. How you see others, that you're not living for yourself. What, what, a, what, what a message, though, when you think about it, right? So as we look at the end times, I think that's the heart that we should have. I think about the prophet Jeremiah. He was on the worst time of Israel. Jerusalem was going to be killed, destroyed. Huh. And he's a prophet in that time, and he speaks out the word of God, even though hell broke loose. Wow, eh? What a message. So I want to be like Jeremiah, Lord, where I, whatever happens, I'll be a spokesman. I will be doing your will. And then you have the, uh, the Christians in Thessalonica, Thessalonica where Jesus says, uh, where Paul says to them, you got to work. Uh, if you don't work, uh, you should not eat. And the reason for that is was they were believing that Jesus was returning. So, hey, what's the point of working if Jesus is coming back, right? If Jesus would be coming back next week, well, what's the point of going to work, right? So they quit their job, <laughs> and they were just waiting for Jesus to come back, and, and so Paul was talking, addressing that. So, so what we want to do is we want to, take a, uh, we want to take a hold of the truth that what am I called to do in this season? Well, I, grew, I came to the Lord at a young age. I was not raised in the church, but I, I've heard a lot about the end times, and maybe you have too. I remember when the bore codes came out when it comes to bore codes on products, it was the end of the world. It was, that's what, that's what it was. People were saying, it's the end, bore code. Uh, you'll have the bore code on your head, on your hand. It's the mark of the beast, you're done. I remember hearing that in August, and I was about 16 years old, and, and from the pulpit I heard, uh, by the new year, it should be in place. So, hey, I'm freaking out, man. Like, the end will happen in January. I was 16. I wanted to get married, and I wanted to have sex, right? It was not a good thing. No, wait, Lord. Wait 20 years, at least, I can get married. Right? I was freaking out. No, not me. Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I should not have said that. It's, it's online too. That's not good. <laughs> I was freaking out. I was freaking out like it's getting, it's barcodes are out. Da -da -da. Technology was getting in place, but I was freaking out because people were saying the end time. And then we saw the UN, the United Nations, take more and more place. Then it was the world, one world government, freaking out on that, right? No, it's going to happen. It's the end, the Antichrist. And then you, you go through the Cold War between the USSR and the US, and that was crazy. Talk about rumors of war. Like, 
We didn't know. Like, there's so many books that were written on the end time. And even Hollywood did a lot of movies on that. Like, and you, 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 you had so many uh, things that were said on the end time. And people were walking in fear. And it was scary because you could have a bomb come your way. You didn't know, right? And then you had the, e, the EU, European Union, uh, and it talked about the 10 horns uh, that would come against Israel, and, and now there are 28 countries, and, but there was this fear of seeing Europe come together, and from there the Antichrist would come, and then, then Israel would be, would be attacked. And then you have the rise of China, that was huge, right? China is rising up, and they will make their way to, to Israel, or they will, uh, they will unite with India, with uh, Iran, with, uh, uh, with Syria, with Russia. And I, I remember hearing that and freaking out. I remember also the ecumenical movement of the one world religion, the prostitute that you find in, in Revelation chapter 17, and, and looking, okay, the churches are coming together. It must be preparing for the Antichrist. And then you look at Y2K. How many of you witnessed Y2K? I bought a generator for Y2K. <laughs> I, was, I was believing all these stuff. I was getting concerned. You know what my brother-in-law did? We had a church gathering, and on that day, like on, on New Year's Eve, and we we're all celebrating uh, the new millennium, and what he did, he went in the basement, and he turned, uh, the, he turned the electricity off. <laughs> and we were all freaking out, no, it happened. <laughs> what do we do now? The end is here. And then you switch it back on. It was the best joke ever. I'll never forget that. It was so good. And then you have 9-11. That changed the face of this world, right? And then you look at this last season of COVID, and, and you look at the Ukrainian war, and, and you look at all these pieces. I'm not joking about these pieces because I believe there's some truth in these pieces, and I believe as we're going forward, all these pieces is like a pieces of a puzzle, and they're all coming together. I don't know exactly how it's all going to happen, but there's all, these are all events that are all linked together, like when Jesus came for the first time. There was a lot of events, a lot of pieces that came together. I, I like to say it's kind of a funnel effect. Uh, history is like a funnel. When it comes to the resurrection of, of Christ and his return, it's like a funnel. It's like it starts here, and it's, there's some change, but not drastic change, and it goes, history goes on, century goes on, until it hits here. And after it hits here, it goes very fast. And if we look at the last hundred years, it's unreal what happened, right? I remember talking with my grandfather that was born in, in 1898, and uh, I was a, a young adult, uh, and, I, and I was talking about how it was when he lived. It was another world. When you lived in 19, uh, like uh, 1915 or 1920, it was another world. Like my, bar, my dad was born in 28, and he tells story of the good old days, and he said, it was no good old days. It was a lot of suffering, depression, hardship. But you hear them and you hear where we are today, what a change, right? Eh? Going from the oil lamp to electricity and beyond. Uh, we saw some revolution in technology, revolution in biology, uh, resolu uh, revolution in, in communication. It's unreal, right? We can know the temperature of Bangladesh right now if we want to. We can know the news of all over the world right now. It's unreal how it has changed. We've never seen what we've seen. We've never seen in history what we're seeing today, what happened in the last hundred years. No way. Like, 
What they said in the 19th century is that everything that was to be invented was invented. The iron horse was the, the invention. That is uh, uh, the train. And after the train, they thought it was done. Well, did, did they know wrong, right? Wow, look at the train. What's the train today? We still use it. But hey, you think about planes and you think about all what is being invented right now. It's unreal. So things have changed. And, and we need to be aware of that. One of the biggest things for me is the global village thought. It's we're all connected now. If, if you look at a country that holds back fertilizer, it affects other nations. It's unreal. You look at Ukraine, it's the breadbasket of Europe. What's going to happen because of that? It's like we're all connected, right? You look at the economy, we're all connected. Like you look at the international death, debt. It's unreal. We've never been there before. Uh, before 100 from now, 100 years ago, there was no heaviness of debt like it is now. It, it's, it's all falling apart economy, when it comes to the economy. So we, we don't know when there's going to be a reset. We don't know. There's a lot of people that have talked about resets. Uh, we don't know, but we know one thing. Everything is fragile. But one of the things is, is that it's a global village. It's amazing, but not at the same time because if one goes down, lots go down because we're all and laced together. So that is a, that's something that wasn't there in the past. You have the Roman Empire, you have other stuff, but never like this. And you look at the level of pollution, for example. I remember going fishing with my dad when I was 25 years old. I caught this huge, well, not he did, he did. We caught a lot of nice jacks, but he caught the biggest. And we were up north, 100 miles away from James Bay in the boonies, not a soul. Catches this jack, this pike, brings him to the boat. We, we clean it, and it's all yellow, not eatable, polluted because of acid rain and because of the, uh, how the big industries they dumped in the rivers. And uh, I, I remember going moose hunting, and we were not allowed to eat uh, the, the heart, the tongue, or uh, the liver of the moose because they were polluted. That is like 30 years ago. And that's what we made of the planet. But just to say that in the last 100 years, we've never seen what we're seeing. You look at the humanistic views that we're dealing with, where truth is subjective. Truth is what you believe what truth is. Um, and, and this is why the word of God is put in jeopardy, because the Bible has a truth. It defines things, and people don't like it. It defines what marriage is between one, one born man and one born woman. And, and this world has a problem with that, because truth right now is relative. It's subjective, Right? And when it comes to watching the news today, you choose to watch the news that you want to watch that it goes according to your liking. That's how it is. I was raised with CBC in French. <laughs> and then CTV came in. Wow, what a treat, right? Well, there was one news. And this is why my generation has a lot of problems to filter the internet. Because when we listen to the news 40 years ago, it seems like it was the truth. But right now, what's the truth? It's, rel it's relative. So I have a problem, and not to step on your, on your toes, but a lot of people in my generation have a problem to filter the internet because we take a lot of things for cash, even though as we joke about it, we say, if you want to know the truth, go on the internet. But to some degree, it really captivates us and it gets us. And so it's very important to realize that we live in a different world. In the last 100 years, we saw the rise of humanistic views like crazy. Look what it says in Matthew 24, verse 1. It says, As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciple pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, 
Do you see these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, and his disciple came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? You got to realize that another foundational part when you read stories of the the end time or texts on the end time, Jesus or Paul was talking to the church there. He was not just talking to us. There's types and antitypes. And and so whatever you find here is a type, but there's also the antitype. What happened, and I'll talk more about that later on, but in year 70, Jerusalem was destroyed, totally destroyed, like they were, the Jews were broken. The temple was ruined. And they fought against the Roman to, to, to keep uh, Israel, to keep their land. And in 129, Roman came and took over the city. And actually they called it Alina Capitolina. And so this is where um, Andrian came and he built a temple on the Temple Mount to Jupiter. What an insult, right? A Temple Mount that... Uh, 100 years before that was where God, where they brought offerings and all that, where, where the Jewish belief was vibrant, and now it was all done, and the Jews were chased. It was horrible. Never to come back until 1948. What a story when Israel came back, right? We'll talk more about that in the future, too, when it comes to the state of Israel. But Israel came back in 1948, and then 1967, you hear about the... Uh, the the miracle war where they were able to chase or to win the Egyptian, a powerhouse in the Syrians in Jordan in six days. It's unbelievable, the miracle that happened there. This is where they were able to take back Jerusalem. Anyway, just to say that when you read scripture, you got to realize that Jesus and Paul were talking to them because when you look at chapter 24, it's not just linked to our end of our time, but also to theirs. You see? But, they all, but this is a, a type, example of what is going to happen later on. A type, an antitype. I'll give you an example. An antitype, a type would be Jonah that was in the belly of the whale for three, three nights. And the antitype is Jesus that was risen after three days. So you see a lot of examples in the, in, the, in the Old Testament that are real, that happen, but it's magnified later on. So, so when it comes to um, Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, In verse 8, look what it says. And Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Can you say to your neighbor, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pain with more to come. I'm just going to stop there. There's lots to say here. I'll try to make justice to the text. Well, it says here, don't let anyone mislead you. He's talking to the disciples. They should know, right? Like I said, because Jerusalem was destroyed 129, a lot of people came, a lot of false prophets came. We're going to take back the promised land. We're going to take back the promised land. Remember, who's on the throne? It's the Lamb. The way of the kingdom is the Lamb. Who is sitting on the throne? The Lamb of God. Why the picture of the Lamb? It's because of the work on Calvary that we are set free. Always have the picture of the Lamb, the victorious Lamb. Usually a Lamb doesn't win. Right? But he won. 
So it's important. And so, so at that time, Messiah would arise and try to say, oh, let's take back Israel. Let's take back the promised land. So Jesus said, don't get caught into that. And when it comes to the amplification, that's a type. The anti-type for today is like I said, there's so much information that we can't even absorb it. And it brings so much confusion. I would say, I've never seen that in my life. I don't think the history of the world have seen so much confusion as today. It's unreal. You find the teacher that you want to hear. It's unreal. We've went away from God's word and we lost focus of why we're here. We lost focus of the virgin, the 10 wise virgin. We lost focus of the talents and we lost focus of the sheep that we're called to bring to the fold. And we get caught with this and that. So I look at the time we live in, oh, we are being rocked here, rocked there, or antennas we don't even know, or, or our compass is lost. We lost direction of the north, and we're going here and there. And I think it's so important to go back to God's word, to simplicity. Amen. The simplicity of God's word. To say, God, what do you want me to do today? What is your calling on me today? I think it's so important to go to that. Verse 6. It says, and you will hear wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Nations will go to war against nations. And the word nations here is not kind of a country, but it's ethnicity. Look at the, look at the mixed up when it comes to ethnicity right now in our country, in the States, and so on. But what really rocked me as I was studying this, I, I looked at the word ethnicity and I thought about genocides. Did you know that in the last hundred years, we've seen the worst genocides in the history of humanity. There's only one that goes beyond that is by the Mongolians in the 13th century where they killed millions of people. So what I'm going to read to you now, it's genocide that happened in the last hundred years, starting by the least, if you can say the least. The Rwanda massacre, I watched that on TV in 94, where 800,000 people to 1.2 million were slaughtered with um, machete, most of them die with machete, by, by machete. It's unreal. The Armenian genocide, 1915 to 23, one to 1.8 million were slaughtered. You got the Cambodian, Cambodian genocide, 76 to 80, that's pretty close. 1.7 million to 2 million were killed for nothing. You have the Holocaust with the Jews, 1939, 45, 7 to 11 million people were slaughtered. Unreal. Broke, breaks our heart. I was reading that on, on, on Saturday night. I was just broken. Stalin, communist regime, 29 to 53, 1929 to 1953, 23 to 52 million were killed. So many Ukrainians died too. You got a Mao regime in China, 1949 to 76, 40 to 70 million were massacred. Never seen that in the history of humanity. Never. So you think about the funnel effect. It's happening. It's there. Like it or not, we're getting closer and closer because this is war. This is ethnicity going against ethnicity. And so, so this is what we just saw that we've saw the last century. Then you add abortion to that. Killing babies. What the heck? Right? Murdering children based on comfort? It's unreal. That's, where, that's the time we live in. We're not called to be afraid, but we're called to be aware. We're called to be on a mission. A mission of love, reaching others and being responsible to what God has given us. 
And in verse 7, it talks about famines and earthquakes. Well, famines follow genocides. If you have genocides, then you have famine. So one of the ways to kill people is to prevent food to go. And all of these genocides are basically, uh, um, are basically there because of, of government. And, and it's crazy. So you have famines that follow genocides, and then you have earthquakes. And I was looking at that, like earthquakes. And so one, that's one of the signs. And look at the weather pattern. You look at uh, the hurricanes. And, and NASA, I was reading an article on NASA, and they, they were saying, and just quote like a, just a phrase here, weather is becoming more extreme. That's the way it is. Like from, if you're from the left or from the wing, I don't, the right, I don't care. The reality is I remember going fishing and having 20-some years ago, having a fish that I can't eat because it's polluted. So, what do, so well, I don't agree. Well, that's what I have, had a fish that I could not eat. That was reality for me then, and it didn't get better. So we're looking at the time we live in. It's, it's, it's real, you know? So, so the thing I have when it comes to that is, is where am I in this? Like last Tuesday, we were with a church in Morden. We were meeting a church in Morden. And I came back home and I received a text. It was around 10 o'clock at night. And says, hey, uh, be prepared to evacuate. Because we're living in a, in a place right now like we're having a house being built. But meanwhile, we're waiting for the house to be built. So we're living close to the dike. Be prepared for evacu- evacuation. I was totally discouraged. I was, all my stuff is in the basement. All my stuff is in the garage. So me and Michelin, we were talking. We were saying, if, if, it, if the water comes up, what do we do? So then we say, do we bring all the box upstairs? Well, we can't do it. Too much work. So can, how, how can we empty the garage? We can't. So we look at each other and say, well, let's go to bed. <laughs> and hope for the best. You know? But I, I really felt the, the urgency of being too late. You see, I felt it was too late. I look at where you are in your relationships, when you look at how you're living your life, what you're living for, what's your focus in life. Man, align yourself with God's word. Align yourself with God's uh, chart. Because when I look at this, I don't know the details about the end times, and I I won't pretend, I won't stand before you. I want to be honest and true. Always done that, always will. But I know, for what I know, is that it's not here. It's not here. It's here. I don't know where in that. So, not to create fear, but an awareness that God is up to something. We'll talk about the good things in that section, too. Because there's amazing thing that God wants to do. But wherever you are in this journey of life, like, how's your oil? How's your oil? Are you caught up with Jesus? When Jesus is mentioned, you have a smile on your face. Man, you can't wait to talk about Jesus because Jesus is really can't wait to see him. Ah! Right? Look at your resources. Are you using your resources for God's kingdom or just for yourself? Are you seeing your neighbor? Are you seeing the people beside you? Are you seeing the people you work with? Do you see their eyes? Do you value them? The proof that you're a sheep is that you care like he cares because you're like him. Because the shepherd and the sheep, the shepherd lives. In Christianity, the sheep looks like the shepherd. You see? So where are you in all this as we're going forward? My prayer is that if you walked away from the faith, if you're listening online and you're not following Jesus, this is the year of the jubilee. It's the year of grace. It's, it's for you to turn to God. It's for you to align yourself with his will. 
It's for you to realize that we're on a mission and time is running out. That's what is in my heart. You know, if I, I didn't share that in any other service, I've got a minute here. That's the calling I sense in my life. I know that I'm getting a little older. I've got another 15 years of this to do ministry, whatever. If the Lord tarries, I've got, can't waste time. Can't waste time. Listen, I don't want to be found on the dock and studying the storm when I'm called to be fishing in the boat. You see? I don't want to be an expert in weather, but I want to be an expert fisherman. Big difference between the two. So what are you going to be? An expert weatherman? Or are you going to be an expert fisherman? Mm. I pray that we would all become expert fishermen. That's the calling of making disciples. I call you to be fishers of men. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.